When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leader's podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. Tony Richards here with the Better Than Before show on the C-Suite Radio Network. Welcome back once again, everyone. I hope you've been having a great week. It's hot, hot, hot here in the center part of Missouri. And I know better than to complain because I have friends in Texas and Arizona that I just talked to this week, and I know it's hotter there than it is here. And I know people have said, Well, it's a dry heat. Well, I don't care. It's still hot. And it will get hotter down there in July and August for sure. We need some rain here in the Midwest. I'm telling you, the agriculture producers are wringing their hands, and especially those that don't have irrigation. Even those that do, I tell you, a good, soft, not a large pounding rain, but a soft rain for let's say about a week, would really help things. And I'm trying to get my mindset right to welcome that. It clouded up here over the weekend, and there was even a little thunder late Saturday night, but not one drop of rain. It just somehow didn't happen. And so we need it. And I hope wherever you are, your needs are being met, whatever that they might be. Well, we had a terrible tragedy here in the last couple of weeks. I'm sure you heard about it and not sure if you followed it or not, but the Titan submarine, which unfortunately it was lost there for quite a while. And the news reports were that the search was on and they were trying to find it. And there was a calculation about how much oxygen would be left based on the amount of time they had been submerged. And Unfortunately, they found the debris and located the wreckage and all last week. And it was a catastrophic implosion, which killed all five people on board, according to the U.S. Coast Guard. And a remotely operated vehicle found parts of the sub about 1,600 feet from the bow of the shipwreck, officials said. And, of course, there was also a story about the father and son who were supposed to go on the trip, but they gave up their seats just a few weeks before the voyage, and so they missed it. And there's a lot of stories like that. You know, people who didn't go to work on 9-11, people who didn't get on airplanes that crashed. One of the more famous stories for someone like me that's really into music history 
Waylon Jennings gave up his seat on Buddy Holly's plane. Waylon Jennings was the bass player in the crickets at the time. And when they were going to fly to the next town where they had a concert, Waylon gave up his seat to J.P. Richardson, the big bopper. He gave him his seat and Waylon rode the bus. And unfortunately, we lost Richie Valens and the big bopper, J.P. Richardson and Buddy Holly all in that plane crash. But there were a father and son that gave up their seats on the Titan submersible vehicle just weeks before the voyage. I think one of the more despicable things that I have seen in recent time was when the search was going on for the submarine. Social media, I don't know, it was just inundated with people who were making fun of the people who were in there and the fact that it was lost. And there were people going, well, what's a CEO doing down there in the first place? And and they were being critical and they were being judgmental and they were being accusatory and they were being just downright mean and making light and making fun of this without knowing what the outcome was going to be, of course. But I mean, those are human beings or they were human beings, you know, they're past now, but we need to have a more, you know, all you hear today is about being open and having love in your heart and being acceptable. But man, when people decide that they're going to turn and they're going to, just because this was out in the public news stream, that they're just fair game to make jokes and make accusations and do barbs and all kinds of things. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And it really bothered me and it really disturbed me. And I'm praying for the families and friends of those who were lost in that terrible, terrible thing. Take all the rest of the circumstances out of it. Take your opinions out of it. Take your viewpoints out of it. Think about the people from a human standpoint and how their families and friends are doing right now because they lost people from that voyage. All right. Enough said on that. NBA draft was this past week. We get to see the talent that is going to be going from either semi-pro or college rank to now being professional basketball players. And so we'll run down the top 10 here. In the first round, the San Antonio Spurs drafted Victor Wimbayama. And then in the second round, the Charlotte Hornets drafted Brandon Miller from Alabama. Brandon had a controversial season, you may remember. The Blazers drafted Scoot Henderson, who was playing in the G League for the Team Ignite. The Rockets drafted Eamon Thompson, who was playing for the Overtime Elite. And then Asar Thompson, must be his brother, was taken by the Pistons, the Detroit Pistons. He also played on the Overtime Elite team. The Orlando Magic, for the sixth spot, took Anthony Black, a fantastic young guard from the Arkansas Razorbacks. A little undersized, not undersized from a height standpoint. He's a very tall guard, but his weight is as skinny as a rail. He's going to have to put some weight on to play in the NBA, which, if you don't know, stands for no boys allowed. And he's going to be in there mixing it up at every position with men. 
I believe this is just my opinion and man, there'll be plenty of people who want to, they'll want to criticize me for saying this, but I'm telling you, I think the people who play. So in basketball, you know, you have guards, you have a center, you have forwards. Well, in modern basketball, some of those traditional positions have gone away. And sometimes you have three guards and two forwards. Sometimes you have three guards, a center and a forward. Sometimes you have two guards and three forwards. But anyway, in basketball, they still call them the position one, position two, position three, position four, position five. And typically the two position is your shooting guard. The three position is either another shooting guard or a small forward. And those people who play the two and the three in the NBA, now this excludes LeBron James who plays the four, okay? He's a freak of nature. But by and large, the people who play the two and the three in the NBA are the best athletes in the world. They're the best conditioned. They're the best gifted they are extremely, extremely gifted, talented, and developed athletes. Anthony Black will play either the one or the two in the NBA. Most likely the one is what he's always played, which is the point guard position, but he's going to have to put some pounds on. In the seventh position, the Indiana Pacers drafted Belil Kulaboli. Probably didn't say that right, but anyway, they traded him to the Washington Wizards. And then the Wizards drafted Jerese Walker, who traded to the Pacers for that previous number seven pick. And Jerese played for the Houston team that went so deep in the tournament this past year. Number nine, the Jazz drafted Taylor Hendricks from the University of Central Florida. And in the 10th spot for my Kentucky Wildcats, the guard Kaysen Wallace went and picked number 10 in the first round, and they traded him to the Oklahoma City Thunder, where he will be paired with another former Kentucky player, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, at the other guard spot. So we'll have a couple of guards there in Oklahoma City that are Kentucky alumni. And I'll just mention here, number 11 was Jet Howard, who played for the University of Michigan, who played for his dad up there, the coach who was one of the Fab Five. So just a great NBA draft. I mean, you can say what you want about it, and it's there are plenty of people who criticize the NBA. There are plenty of people who criticize professional basketball and all of that. But I'm telling you, man, I am happy for these young men who all of their lives they have been trying and they have been thinking and they have been working to become professional at what they do and to get paid for what they do. And basketball is one of those things that people criticize people. I mean, no one criticized Bill Gates for dropping out of school and going on to become a billionaire and work in business. No one criticized Steve Jobs for dropping out of college and becoming a professional and going on to be highly successful and be a billionaire. Nobody criticized those guys, but somehow or another, Fans feel the right. They feel anointed and knighted and given the authorization to be highly critical of these kids who are men or women, both men and women, leaving school without getting their four years in to go become professional and make some real money. I'm a fan of the NIL thing. I think universities make plenty of money off these kids off their image and off their likeness. 
it ought to get some of that. And so I'm glad that we've got that now, and I'm glad for these young men who are starting to begin to see some of their dreams come true. And we'll see how it works out for them. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention going in the last spot of the first round, such a good guy, Kobe Brown, who plays for the University of Missouri Tigers right here where I'm broadcasting from in Columbia, Missouri, went to the L.A. Clippers, and that is very well-deserved. He stayed here when a lot of teammates left. He continued to play. He waited until the time was right for him to go and play. He had another COVID year. He could have come back to school, but he decided to go on and become a professional and go in the draft, and he went in the first round. Good job, Kobe, and congratulations to you, buddy. All right, so NBA draft. Let's look at the national holidays that are going to be coming up over the next week and we got a big one a week from now of course as we will celebrate our nation here in the united states our independence but let's begin with today tuesday june 27th it's international pineapple day i love pineapples i love pineapple i'm gonna have to have some pineapple a little later on maybe tonight that'll be my dessert for my dinner it's national sunglasses day and boy here lately have we ever needed those And they come in all kinds of styles and colors and frames. And you can look at someone on the type of sunglasses they're wearing, and you can tell a lot about them. (laughs) It's also National Onion Day. Slice up an onion, put a little on your hamburger. I, I like to put it in my spaghetti. I'll cook some hamburger. I'll put some mushrooms in there. I'll put some onion in there. I'll let it cook on down, mix it in with my sauce and my noodles. Oh, just fantastic. Don't know if I'd subject anybody else to my cooking, but I like it. National Ice Cream Cake Day. I won't be having any of that, but you be my guest and go ahead and eat the whole thing if you want to. National Ice Cream Cake Day. It is also National PTSD Awareness Day, and we should keep that in mind for all those who have PTSD. And so if you know someone, do something special for them on Tuesday. National Orange Blossom Day, National HIV Testing Day. Wednesday, June 28th, International Body Piercing Day. I have no piercings on my body, but if you do, go on with your bad self. International Caps Lock Day. Oh, no. I should have left that one out. On social media, people who have their caps lock on. Oh, boy. National Logistics Day. So if you have somebody that works in logistics that you know, they might work for FedEx or UPS or the airlines or anywhere where things have to be coordinated. National Alaska Day, National Parchment Day, National Insurance Awareness Day, and National Paul Bunyan Day. If you feel like a biggin, be a biggin. Paul Bunyan Day. Thursday, June 29th, International Day of the Tropics, National Handshake Day. National Almond Butter Crunch Day, National Waffle Iron Day, National Camera Day. If you still take photos with a camera, I suppose smartphones qualify for that too. National Camera Day on Thursday. On Friday, June 30th, International Day of Parliamentarianism, International Asteroid Day, International Cream Tea Day. It's Social Media Day on Friday and National Meteor Watch Day, which just happens to be an International Asteroid Day, too. So, fantastic. 
Let's see. Let's go to Saturday, July the 1st, International Play Outside Day, International Day of Cooperatives, International Reggae Day. Yeah, that's right. International Reggae Day, man. Put on some reggae music. It's Canada Day on July 1st, National Hop a Park Day, National Ginger Snap Day, National Creative Ice Cream Flavor Day. It's National U.S. Postage Stamp Day and National Postal Worker Day. I got some of the best postal workers that deliver mail to where I live. They have been fantastic. They are they are wonderful people. Sunday, July 2nd, National Wildland Firefighter Day. It's a World UFO Day on Sunday, July 2nd. Monday, July 3rd, International Plastic Bag Free Day, International Drop a Rock Day, National Fried Clam Day, National Chocolate Wafer Day, National Eat Your Beans Day, and National Compliment Your Mirror Day. And let's go ahead and do Tuesday, which is July 4th, Independence Day here in the United States. It's Alice in Wonderland Day. It's National Caesar Salad Day. National Barbecue Spare Ribs Day, of course. National Barbecue Spare Ribs on the 4th of July. Do it, man. And, of course, it's the day we celebrate Independence here in the United States. The day that the celebration happens where the colonists declared their independence from Great Britain to become a sovereign nation. And let me wish you a happy 4th of July to all my fellow United States citizens. I don't believe there's a greater country on earth. I don't believe there's a greater privilege than being a United States citizen, and we should never take it for granted. And you should take some time to pray for the leadership of our nation every day, but especially on the 4th of July. Take 10 minutes and just give thanks and gratitude for what we have here in this country. All right. Okay. Second part of our book of the month. So our book of the month is the choice point. The choice point. The choice points written by Joanna Grover and Jonathan Rhodes. And this is part two. We started part one back in episode number 625, and so we're continuing on with part two this week, and the part two is reimagining your goals, and chapter four in the book is practicing multisensory imagery. It starts off with a great quote by Marcel Prost, which says, The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in seeing with new eyes. And I just want to share this story with you that kicks off chapter four. And here's what it says. In your mind's eye, picture an apple. See in your mind its shape, color, and size. This is visualization. Now imagine what it feels like to hold the apple, how firm it is, the texture. Imagine its smell, what it sounds like when you take a bite, how it tastes, how you feel while eating it. This is imagery, images linked to emotions, to meaning. When you engage your senses in your imagination, your body reacts with a physiological response that is close to the real deal. So close, in fact, that your mind can trick your body into action. And they tell a story here in this chapter about Wiley 
And Wiley is Joe, J-O, Joe's son. I'm sure it's short for Josie or Josephine. But Joe's son, Wiley, experienced this when he was 12 years old. Now, Wiley is allergic to horses, but when Joe's family went to see the play War Horse at Lincoln Sitter in New York City, no one thought or was concerned about Wiley's allergy since the horse character Joy was a giant puppet made of simple materials, nylon, cane, and cable strung together by hand. It was an immersive and impressive production. The sounds, the lighting, and especially the three master puppeteers who moved the horse as though it were a real horse. They had carefully studied horse movements to develop the character, tilting the head slightly, swooshing the tail, and moving its ears to indicate emotion. Although the puppeteers were visible, they faded away as Joy became a living, breathing horse in the audience's imagination. The moment Wiley believed that the horse was real, his body created a histamine reaction. He broke out in hives, and even more concerning, he couldn't breathe. Joe thought he was choking on something, and when she tried to help him, he pointed to the horse puppet. Honey, it's not real, Joel whispered. Just as quickly as it had started, the allergic reaction disappeared. Now let's go back to that apple. Take your time to focus on that apple and all aspects of it. What does it look like? Feel its weight as you throw it in the air and catch it. What does it smell like as you bring it to your nose? What's the texture of it in your hand? What does it sound like when you bite into it? Well, maybe about now you're craving a crisp, juicy apple. Maybe it was so visceral for you that you took a break from reading and are chomping into a golden, delicious apple right now. If this is the case, then imagining an apple creates a response. You want to eat an apple. We are constantly experiencing stimuli and consciously or unconsciously responding. Our responses can be healthy, like eating an apple, or unhealthy, like giving in to an addiction. So it's really interesting to think about, to me, how visualization and imagery can work on you, especially when you're trying to change something about yourself that has been habitual, or you're trying to change something about yourself to achieve something. The book also goes into the difference between cognitive imagery and motivational imagery. Let's get on that for a second. When we set a goal, most of us imagine the outcome of our goal in some way, including a consideration of the effort we will need to put in to achieve the goal. We may even break it down into smaller milestone tasks and targets. And often we wonder, is the goal worth the work? And we do our own cost-benefit analysis. If we determine it's worth doing, we dive in, making plans and working toward achieving our targets. The way imagery works is by connecting your current self to your future potential. Imagery can be cognitive or motivational. Cognitive imagery is simply thinking about the details of a task you imagine, such as drinking a cup of coffee or thinking through the best driving route to a meeting. It does not involve your emotions or meaning or purpose, just the task at hand. Motivational imagery includes the meaning and purpose associated with the task, such as why coffee? Maybe it helps you start the day off in a specific way. Or why is the meaning important to you? Maybe it's a key step toward a big opportunity. Whether cognitive or motivational, 
we think of our goals in three parts. One, imagining the outcome. Two, our performance. And three, the process of reaching the target. Cognitive imagery is an extremely useful method to enhance performance in a variety of areas, such as in medicine to prepare for surgery, in education to manage exam stress, and in sports to improve shot accuracy. It's useful because the practice of mental rehearsal increases people's confidence with any given set of tasks, especially when those tasks are paired with physical practice. All right, let's talk about active versus inactive imagery. Active versus inactive imagery. Imagine for a few seconds you're half a mile out in the warm sea. Feel the calm water on your skin and the sense of peacefulness as you gently float, looking up at the blue sky. Then you hear someone shouting. You slowly tread water and scan the sea. You see a shark's fin. You check the distance to the beach and the shark's position. The shark is swimming toward you. What do you do? Well, most people would swim like hell. A few would stay where they were and welcome the shark. As you think about this example, you might have noticed that your pupils dilated, your heart rate increased, and you started sweating. These responses are automatic, and this type of imagery is called active imagery because it prepares our body for action. What you imagine often influences your emotions, which in turn affects your physiology. Emotion paired with meaning are the active ingredients that produce vivid imagery. Vivid imagery, especially that which engages all the senses, drives your bodily reactions, which, to an extent, amplify your motivation. The opposite of active imagery is inactive imagery, which, when the motion is removed, imagine yourself lying on a beautiful beach on a nice sunny day, sipping a cool drink and reading a book. You probably feel relaxed with these images. There's nothing wrong with feeling relaxed. In fact, it can be very good. However, relaxation doesn't enhance your motivation. You're comfortable and don't feel the need to push for something. For the task of the imagining the shark, we used active imagery, meaning it will motivate you to feel a certain way, whereas imagining a nice day at the beach is considered neutral or inactive imagery. It's neutral because it doesn't motivate you to act. We're going to guess that while you probably didn't sweat when imagining yourself on a beach, nor did your heartbeat increase, you may have squinted a bit as you thought about reading in that bright of sunlight. This shows the power imagery has on your physiology, even when you're imagining something neutral. And this gives you a little idea of the valuable information. You know, I don't put books on this podcast just to put books on this podcast. These are books that I've read that I think have some very awesome and valuable information that can be helpful to people. It gives you some ideas, the great information that is available in chapter four of the choice point. Let's move on to chapter five, which talks about holistic imagery. Zig Ziglar starts this chapter off with a quote, if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. So let's start. Scene one, imagine you're alone in the dark on a desolate English moor. It's below freezing. You have no flashlight or headlight because those items have been forbidden. You think you're about halfway through this nightmare of an eight-mile uphill run. You're hungry and sore. You worry about your foot landing on a sleeping viper in one of the million divots in the landscape, which the locals call baby's heads due to their size. 
Even a snakeless baby's head divot can shatter your ankle if you get your foot caught. There's a voice shouting, you'll never be anything. Face it, you're a loser, and losers get to go home now. It could be the voice in your head, but it's also a voice out of your head, clearly coming from somewhere in the darkness. There's a minibus nearby, the voice reminds you. Stop running. Go to the bus where it's warm and safe. Your whole body is aching. This is insane, you think. I'm going to die out here alone or be injured for life. The pain in your legs is overwhelming, but you carry on with sheer will and stubbornness. At the eight-mile mark, you're done. You did it. You collapse. Take water. Hold back tears. Then the voice, the same one from the darkness, says, Now run back. What? Another eight miles? No, no. You said eight, not 16. You are done. You walk toward the minibus like a zombie while watching the others turn around and start to run back. You collapse into the plush, comfortable seat of the bus. A steaming cup of coffee is handed to you. It smells good, and the heat coming from the mug is comforting. You take a sip, and the hot liquid travels down your throat, warming you up from the inside. You enjoy this feeling until you realize what you just did. You quit. At the minibus engine turns on and comes to life, you feel sick. The bus travels a mile to a small, dimly lit checkpoint. This, it turns out, is the real end of the race course. It was all a test, and you failed. The others arrive, realizing they don't have to run the remainder of the way back. One person gets sick, starts to cry, but the tears are quickly wiped away, and he fist bumps his friend, who is brandishing a wide smile. They are handed cups of warm coffee to get on the bus one by one. They pat you on the shoulder. This is the end of the commando selection trial. You will be deployed to another unit in 48 hours. The shock and the shame hit you if only you'd carried on scene two imagine you're alone in the dark on the desolate english moors it's below freezing you have no flashlight or headlight because those items have been forbidden you think you're about halfway through this nightmare of an eight mile uphill run you're hungry and sore but instead of focusing on the pain and the fear you think of your family your uncle john who was your role model you see his face Remembering his favorite song, you start to hum that song. You're mindful about your foot placement, aware that you might land on a sleeping viper resting in one of the one million divots in the landscape called Baby's Head for their size. There's a voice shouting, you'll never be anything. Face it, you're a loser. And losers get to go home now. You tune it out and start to hum louder. You focus on how good you'll feel when you become a commando. When you get to tell your family, I did it seeing your loved ones around you, cheering and smiling, so proud of you and your accomplishment. There's a minibus nearby, the voice reminds you. Stop running. Go to the bus where it's warm and safe. You keep humming. Your whole body aches. The pain radiates around your legs. You remind yourself that it's temporary. It comes and goes. And just like that, you're thinking of your favorite summer beach, the glow of the sun, the warm white sand cradling your body. At mile eight, you're done. You did it. You collapse. Take a drink of water. Hold back tears. Then the voice, the same one from the darkness, says, now run back. What, you think? Another eight miles? Then you chuckle. I knew they'd pull something crazy like this. You smile and say to yourself, there's a reason this isn't for every soldier. You see another cadet. He walks to the minibus like a zombie. And you think, I am okay. People get through things worse than this. I'm not doing that bad. So you carry on, fighting until the last step like your Uncle John did. Your story and his story are ones you'll tell your kids one day. 
You look up at the stars. They're beautiful. You think of why this training matters to you and of the vision you have of your future. In the distance, you see a dimly lit checkpoint. The minibus is there. The sergeant tells you this is the real end. You did it. The guy beside you gets sick and wipes a tear from his eyes. Maybe it's just sweat. He fist bumps you. Then hundreds of miles away, you see faces of your family in your mind's eye. They carried you through. You're tired. So tired. Too tired to move. A warm cup of coffee is handed to you. You lift it to your nose, take in the smell. The mug warms your hands. You sip. Coffee's never tasted this good. You enjoy the feeling of warmth and then get on the bus, sympathetically patting the guy who dropped out earlier. You think, if only he'd carried on for just another few minutes. Both of these scenes are based on real-life experiences of cadets in the British Army's pre-commando training program. Yes, they are extreme. There's a good chance that you will never be under such physical strain and pressure with someone shouting at you to quit. That being said, how often do we opt for the minibus? How often do we give up when the going gets tough or when the unexpected happens? Do you listen to the voice heckling you or do you distract yourself with images of loved ones or whatever your motivation is to push through the pain? We told you how imagery works on a technical level. You've evaluated your own imagery ability and we hope you've refined your imagery ability in the areas where maybe it wasn't the strongest. Now we're going to apply your imagery powers. You will learn how you can use imagery to stay motivated and push past the point where you want to quit so you can remain on course to your desired goal. The soldier in the first scene who ended up quitting did not receive fit training. Jonathan interviewed him later to learn about this specific choice point. The soldier reported having no formal thought management technique to manage his mental mutiny. And he said if he could go back, he would change that split-second thought that resulted in me withdrawing. The soldier in scene two went on to become a commando, commented that it formalized his deliberate thinking by the depth he gave his why thoughts attention and helped him ride the waves of pain. He is now posted in Norway. So as you have realized by now, goals are driven by purpose, meaning, and action. Holistic imagery, the combination of cognitive and motivational imagery, can boost your ability to stick to your goals. And there are more and more stories in the book about that. And it gives you the model, purpose, meaning, and action for how to use this imagery and visualization technique to help you push through the choice point and stay on task and stay on course for your goal. I highly recommend this book. I think you should get it. I've tried to share some things with you to at least give you more than you'll get standing in a bookstore, browsing through the book, or using the preview feature on Amazon or something like that. It's a really good book. I got several things out of it I'm going to be able to use with my clients, and I think you would get a lot out of it too to be able to use in your own leadership journey. It is called The Choice Point by Joanna Grover and Jonathan Rhodes, and it's our book of the month, and you should get it. That's our show for this week. We will catch up with you again next week right here on Better Than Before. I want to thank our producer, Tessa Hall, who always makes our show sound so good. She takes my thoughts and ramblings and forms them into a show every single week for you to enjoy. I'd like to invite you to come by my website. It's clearvisiondevelopment.com. All episodes of our Better Than Before podcast are on there, six years worth. 
20 years worth of blog posts, 10 years worth of videos. They're all there on clearvisiondevelopment.com, plus some downloadable resources for free that you might enjoy. We have one that's our most popular, which is the one on emotional intelligence. I think that you would enjoy if you want to go there and download that. And come on back here again next week here on the C-Suite Radio Network for Better Than Before. Until we visit again next week, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you, as I do every time I get a chance, that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.